Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I get to go back to my homeland, Scotland, and I get to interview a good buddy of mine now, uh, Dr. Donald Francis. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Don. How are you? It's great to talk to another Don. <laughs> Two Dons. Two Dons. Yeah, yeah. So, so for everybody out there, um, I know uh, Brandy actually met... Uh, Dr. Donald at the, uh, the that UCA conference in uh, Birmingham, right? Is that where Brandy met you? Yeah, uh, Chiropractic Essentials. That was last last October. Brand, Brandy finished the the weekend as she seems to in excellent sort of energy and style. That's awesome. Yeah, and so then and then you joined the shift, and then since then we've been talking on our community the shift, and then we actually got to spend some good time together at Cairo Europe over in Malaga, Spain, and uh, and and I think we got on quite nice, eh? Yeah, except those um, those big six foot four legs of yours need a lot of beer to fill those up more more than my little short five foot ten legs. I tell you that. <laughs> I thought it was my Scottish liver that was the, <laughs> that was that was yes. helping me. <laughs> yes. yes, at least we stayed off the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Not none of the crazy stuff, but but yeah. So um, so tell a little bit of the listeners that that might not know who who you are. Um, what are the where you are at practice right now and what are some of the things you do? And then we'll get back into your history after that. Okay. So I practice in the Scottish borders. So about, uh, about an hour's drive south of Edinburgh, the capital. And um, we live in a very rural community. Um, my wife and I also have a sheep farm. So as well as a chiropractor, we have a 400 acre. Do you understand acres in Canada? You betcha. Yeah. Okay. So we have about a 400 acre farm and what about 600 sheep. And so when I'm not, um, um, you know, being a chiropractor, we also run the sheep, although that's mainly her job. I'll, I won't take anything away from her there. <laughs> um, I'm an ex soldier. So I, I'm mid forties ish. Um, so I came into chiropractic quite late. I went to Palmer when I was 32 um, graduated 36-ish, I think. And um, so I've been in practice about nine years. Um, my wife was from this area, so that's how we ended up here. And um, I always joke, you know, everybody asks me how I ended up in Scotland. And I say, well, I was captured. And if you ever get captured by somebody very pretty, you usually do what they tell you to do. So, <laughs> so That, that darn love, up. man. It'll make you go to places you never knew you'd go. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I always think, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I took her to Davenport for four years. So <laughs> oh, yeah. So you order, you order something after that. <laughs> 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 yeah, I quite like Davenport, but uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, when when we for her it was coming home, yeah. Um, but you know, for me it was starting a new life in a new country, and um, I've loved it. I have no regrets at all. This is this is where I think you know th I'm never leaving. So that's, that's awesome. And I'm and you have you have associates, don't you, right now too in practice? Yeah, I have two colleagues. Um, so we uh, run an, predominantly an SOT practice, but. 
you know, before we start, Don, the biggest subluxation in chiropractic for me is judgment. Okay, so we can, we, you know, and anybody can judge me, but it'll do them no good. <laughs> and me judging you or anything else does me no good. So we're predominantly an SOT practice, but I went to Palmer, so I still use full Palmer package. If I, you know, if I move a bone, I, I do so just as I was taught in Dr. Gindel's cervical class or, you know, <laughs> Dr. Leipzig's thoraco lumbar. You know, it's not, you know, and, um, and we have we have two associate colleagues. Yeah. Um, I absolutely brilliant associates. Um, I'm a really lucky guy, um, actually, to to have these two guys to work with. Um, and I had an associate, I reckon, for about three or four reasons. And making money was like number three or four. The first one was so that I could get adjusted every week. I mean, that that to me was more important than. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. And secondly, we you know built up a waiting list practice quite quickly, and inside about five years. Um, and so we needed to service more people. So that was probably reason number two behind me getting adjusted every week. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what the other ones were, but they were very important at the time. But we've yes. got a real growing community between the three of us. One probably uh, part of it would be mentorship, I'd assume, just knowing your personality is you love to mentor young young chiropractors. To yeah, help I do. So, um, so I suppose part of, you know, one of the themes that I was thinking about, you know, what, what we would bring up is, is coaching and um so I, have a, I, I am a coach and you are a coach and Brandy's a coach. And um, I would say coaching is probably the most important thing that most chiropractors don't do. I mean, all the successful people I know have a coach and all the unsuccessful people I know don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I keep my coaching very limited. I have four clients and, and I don't want any more than that. Um, but, um, you know, I started practice uh, back in 2009 during that, that lovely recession. Yeah. And, um, I started on my own for all sorts of reasons, but, um, you know, we opened and, you know, through some very hard work, I got up to about 50 patients a week and, you know, a friend of mine said, well, why don't you get a coach? I said, well, who? And, um, it took me, I don't know, another couple of months to make the phone call, but it was the best thing I ever did. Cause I did a graph. I got a coach in June, 2011, I think. And I did a graph between June, 2011 and February, 2012. So about eight months. And my income went from, let's just call it units, yeah. five to 15 in like eight months. You know, why the hell I hadn't done it before, but you know, everything, I'm one of those slow people that, you know, I'm not one of those early adapters. I'm not the first person to buy an iPhone. I, you, know. <laughs> you want <laughs> to make sure someone else with, takes the kinks out of it first. <laughs> yeah. But getting a coach, you know, what a, what a difference. And, um, you know, we, we coached for a couple of years, a guy called Simon Bird, who sadly passed away now. And then I moved on to another McDonald, Ross McDonald, the guy um, who's become a very good friend, who's um, in the process of starting the Scotland College of Chiropractic. Yeah. And we coached together for about five years. Um, cool. And then um, I'm messing around with a guy called Stuart Kelly at the moment from Dublin, who's a really super guy. Um, and he's helping me out. So I think, you know, every, every, if, if I were to leave one piece of interference in the world, and that's everybody should have a coach. And do you know what the difference between interference and advice is? No. Advice you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> interference you don't. But anyway, get a coach. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got a coach and life, you know, I've never looked back. That's awesome. Now, and I, I like to, we want to kind of get back a little bit into your history to kind of know, know a little bit more about uh, Dr. Donald Francis. And uh, so why don't you go back and tell us where you grew up and, uh, and then a little bit about your military and then a little bit about yeah. why you want to become a chiropractor. Okay. So 
I was born in what was then called Rhodesia. It's now called Zimbabwe. And the um, first six years of my life, we had a, a horrendous civil war on. Um, in fact, my father was killed in the war. He was the last casualty of the Rhodesian conflict in 1979, which is an absolute tragedy, especially for my mum. Yeah. But um, 1977, I was four years old, and I kept getting tonsillitis. And they wanted to take my tonsils out, but they couldn't take them out while I was sick. So my mum's best mate, whose brother was a chiropractor, said, well, why don't you get John to adjust him? And then he'll be well enough to have his tonsils out. And the irony has never lifted me, I tell you. But anyway, <laughs> so I got adjusted. And I ended up being well enough as a result of chiropractic to have my tonsils out. Um, and then about 2000 and... Sorry, I'm lying. Then about 1994, mm. 1991, found myself living in England. Yeah. And... Um, met again with the same chiropractor, a guy called John Howard, who is very famous in the SOT circles. But, yeah. um, and that's hence the reason I practice that. Um, and by that time, he'd moved and set up a very um, big and busy practice in Oxford in England. And um, that was probably when I first started flirting with the idea of chiropractic. And we'd, we'd been adjusted on and off um, all through our childhood. Um, uh, and, but, but it never really... And, and I spent a day with this guy and I suddenly thought, geez, this is what I'm going to do. But I had this little itch to scratch and that was, I wanted to join the, the army. Um, yeah. I don't know, subconsciously, you know, I could probably sit in a darkened room with a psychologist and <laughs> that my father, was killed, my father was killed in military service or something. But I, um, so I joined the British army at 16 and um, went off to finish off my education at the, at a military school. And then I went to Sandhurst, which is the, British Army Officers Academy. I graduated from there in 1993 as a second lieutenant. Yeah. Went off to the Royal Artillery. And um, eventually I spent three, three and a half years in Germany um, before deciding I wanted to be a chiropractor again. So I applied to AECC, which, was in, which is in Bournemouth in England. And um, suddenly got cold feet about leaving the army because I'd been in it by that stage since for about eight or nine years. And I was, I was actually really enjoying it. So I'm pleased I didn't leave. Yeah. Um, came back to the UK, did a bit more soldiering, met my wife. Um, and um, anyway, cut a long story short, I suppose 2004, February, 2004. So quite a long time, another seven years had passed and um, I'm in this March. So every year we had to do a, a March to check that we still could. And I was standing behind this guy who spent the entire two hours talking to the guy next to him about how, why he was leaving. And up till that point, I'd never thought about it. And I suddenly thought, crikey, you know, those are all the reasons. That's why I'm really unhappy right now. And I came home and I said to my wife, um, I'm going to leave the army. She said, oh, gosh. And that <laughs> night, serendipitously, my friend John Howard phoned and he said, why are you still in the army? I said, oh, pension, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> And I was, 30, I was 31 almost, and I'd been in the army almost half my life at that point. And so it was quite a terrifying st step to sort of step out of that really safe and <laughs> safe environment because within three or four weeks, I was in Iraq. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, so I spent five or six months in Iraq in 2004, which, you know, like I say, we were all full of judgment. And I, I'll be honest with you, it was probably the time of my life, Don, you know, um, with a group of 
highly skilled men and, and some women in the desert doing the job you spent your whole life being trained for in very hostile circumstances. And, um, and I came back a very changed person. Um, mm. Actually, I, I came back very soulless person. Um, I had an epiphany. I always say I had an epiphany on the road to Damascus. It was after a, a suicide bomber had blown himself up against the gates of one of the camps. And I suddenly had this thought, you know, I'm sitting here in Arabia as this sort of white Anglo-Saxon guy. And this Arab man has just blown himself up for his religion, his purpose. And so I suddenly decided that he can't be right and I can't be right. So we must all be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So for quite a long time, I certainly lived this, let's call it atheist for want of a better description. Yeah. Anyway, so got to the end of my tour and um, I was alive, which was about the most grateful thing I could say. I got on the Hercules to leave and I knew I was never going back. And I landed back in the UK. My son, Jamie, was born about two weeks later and I resigned about two weeks later. Um, but all the while I was in Iraq, I confess, I was applying to Palmer College of Chiropractic. Yes. So as soon as I'd fired the gun to leave, um, we started the process of getting visas and, and all the things you need to study overseas and getting a loan. I mean, trying to get a loan in your mid-30s Luckily, I had invested in a house. So I was able to sort of mortgage, mortgage my flat, my yeah. apartment up and go. And I arrived in Davenport in August 2005. Yeah, just before Hurricane Katrina, like three days before Hurricane Katrina. I think. Wow. Um, and uh, I arrived and my friend was there. Um, he, he dropped out of Palmer, but he was still in, in town. He still is a really good friend. And um, he hooked me up with another guy who was just going through clinic. And I don't know if you remember when you were at clinic at Palmer, um, those guys going to Scott Community College where you had to go to do your prereqs. They still got free adjustments, but they were counted as an outpatient. So you were like, Ooh, yeah, no doubt. That'd be like hot stuff. Yeah. So I suddenly became the hottest property in clinic. You know, everybody wanted to adjust me because they could get their credits for that. (laughs) (laughs) And I went in and, you know, they sat me down to give me some education. And you have to remember that sort of, you know, less than a year earlier, I was in Iraq and they started talking about this chiropractic philosophy stuff, innate intelligence. And, and I just put my head in my hands. I thought I just left a job and I'd moved 4,000 miles yep. into Davenport, Iowa. And they were talking to me about intelligence and I just closed my eyes and shook my head. And I thought, what the hell have I done? But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad I stuck with it because 13 years later, I'm probably one of the most vitalistic chiropractors. I know. That's funny. But it, I found, I found that part of Palmer, uh, that part of Palmer, that part of Palmer quite difficult at first. I have to, I have to confess. Well, and that uh, just, that's a great example for people out there that, um, that if you tell someone the story or, or describe what chiropractic is and they don't get it at first, don't give up on them. Right. Cause you, you didn't get it at first. <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, and I graduated in 2009 and I got a, at the, you know, um, the, the graduation, but I got several prizes. Um, one was for philosophy. I was the runner up for the Virgil Strang philosophy award. I didn't get it. Another, a really great guy called Seth got it. And I also got a prize for rehab. So I can just show you how confused I was by the end of, by the end of Palmer. But <laughs> well, at least you got exposed to both sides. That's great. And I'm really grateful for that because I've, you know, I, 
I'm in the UK now, uh, which is which is not a philosophical. I think we've we've we're at a, we're very close to a tipping point here, where there was where there are more vitalistic chiropractors than non-vitalistic. I mean, both camps would probably argue the toss there, but mm -hmm. I feel that we're close to that tipping point. Mm -hmm. And um, I certainly, you know, if you, you were at Cairo Europe this year, I mean, the the energy in that space that Mark and Lynn create is quite staggering, isn't it? It is amazing. Yeah. It's uh, I say it was kind of like a Tony Robbins seminar, but it was a chiropractic seminar. And it kind of reminded me of like kind of the old days when we first started going to par to Parker seminars, they had a really um, like, cr like crazy, awesome energy the same way. So uh, yeah, what they're doing an amazing job over there. And also I thought the cool thing was, is for me to go to a chiropractic seminar where there's chiropractors from like 22 or 23 different countries yeah. is unheard of really in North America. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely amazing. Actually. Well, North, North America's so big. Yeah. That's why you'd never really get that usually. Right. So. Yeah, actually, um, you know, I spent quite a lot of time before I, when I was in the army, I spent quite a lot of time in Alberta. Actually, I know I was going to say out of your whole story, I was totally upset. You didn't say that you uh, went to West Edmonton mall. <laughs> and you're in Edmonton in my hometown. <laughs> so 2001, um, I finally made the, probably the best decision I ever made in my life, which was to marry my lovely wife, Katie. But um, we had to cut short our honeymoon to, to go on, a, on an army exercise in Wainwright, which is in northern Alberta. Yeah, just out, I think it's a couple hours outside of Edmonton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, enough, uh, yeah, yeah. And I tell you, it, it's quite pretty there, but you've got mosquitoes that could pick a grown man up and sort of carry him <laughs> into the next state, I think. Yeah, we call them Dr Jurassic Park mosquitoes. <laughs> Something else. And then um, 2003, I spent another two months down on a massive prairie training area called Battis near Medicine Hat in Southern Alberta. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool, actually. That was armor. So the first one, 2001, that was, in, that was on our feet. That was just carrying everything you lived on on your back. And the one in 2003, that was in tanks. Um, and that was actually the most, that was probably, other than being on real live army stuff, that was probably the, the most exciting thing I ever did. You know, not quite going across Ukraine in World War II, but close to it. <laughs> so when you open practice, did you just open on your own or did you work for somebody or how did yeah. that start in your career? Uh, I opened on my own. It was quite calculated because we live in the middle of nowhere. There are some chiropractors. So we're in a county of about 120,000 yeah. spread over 20 or 30 small towns. Mm -hmm. And there were one, two, three chiropractic practices, four chiropractic practices in the county. And I knew I really didn't want to work for any of them because I knew I was going destined to work for myself. So it's always very difficult to disentangle yourself from a chiropractic relationship, particularly if you want to open up close to or near the backyard where you've just been working in. Yes, totally. So I was aware of that. And then Edinburgh is about an hour away, but um, I thought, well, you know, why put a whole lot of effort into driving up there and building a practice and then starting again? So in for a penny, in for a pound, I started on my own. And quite a lot of my class at Palmer did that. I, I, I think much more so than in the UK. It's, it's really very uncommon in Britain to graduate and start on your own. But I was right. also 35, 36. Right, so you had a lot more um, life experience. Yeah, a lot more life experience, but no business experience. I remember trying to, you know, my first adjustment I gave somebody and, 
my CA was starting the next day. So I was on my own. And, you know, actually, I was almost so embarrassed to ask him for money because I was charging somebody for what I gave. It was a massive step um, <laughs> to take some money for, for, for adjusting somebody. Great. You know, a lot of learning to do. A lot, a lot of learning. And, that, you know, that first year was tough. Yeah. Um, very tough, actually. I, I, I was very grateful. In this country, we have tremendous welfare state where you get money for nothing, you know. And yeah. we arrived back with 2.5 children. Number three was made in America and born in Scotland. So we came back ready. With, we came back with more than we left. Right. And um, so we, we arrived back and we were immediately able to sort of sign on and get benefits for having children. So we were able to live on this money from the government for a year until the practice started actually paying us, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So we started on our own. And like I say, I'm skipping, I, I plugged away for about, plugged away for about a year and a bit. Um, and I gently got myself up to about, I don't know, I'm going to say 50 patients a week. And I was exhausted, you know, absolutely exhausted on 50 patients a week. Yeah. No systems, um, very, very low PVA. I think my PVA was about five and I was almost proud of this. You know? <laughs> and, uh, um, and I got this coach and suddenly my PVA went from five to 15. I was over the moon and my number of visits per week went from 50 to 120, I think, you know, in about eight months. So I built a really good foundation, yeah. but, um, but it, it lacked systems. I lacked a certainty. Boy, oh boy, did I lack a certainty. Despite being from Palmer, despite everything, every bit of training I had, I lacked a certainty. And I also wasn't getting adjusted. That was the extraordinary thing. I, you know, I was a chiropractor and I wasn't getting adjusted. I mean, what a really stupid thing. <laughs> well, and again, it depends if everyone's spread out. Like I had, a, I had one of my really good friends uh, that I graduated with. He practiced in a little town in northern Alberta. And there was no other chiropractor around, so he had no choice. But you can tell that when you're not getting adjusted and you're telling everyone else to get adjusted and you're not vital, it's hard to have that energy flow into your practice. You're, you're so right, you know, and it's something that you and Brandy are always on about. And I, and I, 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 I follow that, you know, through on your Facebook feeds and stuff is authenticity. You, you can never, I, I value authenticity very much indeed. And, um, and indeed spend a huge amount of my life trying to be authentic, trying to be as congruent as possible. Yeah. Um, and living it. And, um, I, I'll be honest. I, it was only about four years ago when I got my first associate colleague that I started getting adjusted regularly. And it was only about a year after that, that I really understood what it was like to live a chiropractic lifestyle. And that was, you know, sort of five years into practice probably. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, practice was going quite well. I was seeing quite a lot of patients really for me, uh, less than I am now, but, but I was seeing a lot and I thought I was, I thought life was pretty good, um, but it was, it was only for me, you know, well, a long way into practice when I started feeling the benefits of a chiropractic lifestyle. Um, and, you know, and, and that's when you feel the benefits, you start becoming quite evangelical about it. Yes, totally. Like I said, it's hard to sell something that you don't own. That's an old Parker principle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to make it over to Parker one day. But actually, we've got some pretty, other than Curry Europe, we've got some pretty good um, events in Europe now. Um, a mutual friend of ours, Melissa Stanford, she's 
started that one that Brandy spoke at in October. That's in Birmingham in England. Yes. In every fall or every autumn, as we call it. And, um, and that's really phenomenal. There's about 600 chiropractors there with a lot of energy. Yep. And actually, I'll tell you when I had a real epiphany. My, uh, my, 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 my coach and friend, Ross McDonald, runs a seminar um, in Edinburgh called the Edinburgh Lectures, which is coming up in two weeks. I think Brandy's spoken at it before. Yes, twice. Yeah. Twice, yeah. And it, it was about, even though I had a coach, it was probably about 2012, 2013. I'd been in practice a while, and I'd lost the conversation. I was, I'm going to put this word in parenthesis because you will not hear it in my clinic. I was treating patients. Yes. And I was treating pain. And I went to the Edinburgh lectures and I heard something I hadn't heard for a long time. I heard the word subluxation. And I came away from that seminar and I wrote it on my Facebook feed. I wrote subluxation, subluxation, subluxation. It was the first time I'd written it. And funnily enough, that week, my clinic was like I was, uh, it was like I'd suddenly put rocket fuel into my engine. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I'd rediscovered a purpose that I hadn't had for quite some time. Um, and actually re reconnecting with chiropractic and what I believe chiropractic to be was, was huge. Yeah. Do you remember who was speaking when you heard that? Ooh. That um, that that one there, um, Chris Kent was there, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, Ross. Bo oh, um, Martin Harvey. Oh yeah, good old Martin, uh, my Martin buddy. Martin Harvey was there. Oh, Brian Kelly. Brian hey, Kelly. You've interviewed. You've interviewed on this thing. All of my favorites, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, Brian Kelly, Martin Harvey. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just got it. It's funny. I just got a message from Martin. He was just saying he was listening to the podcast and was enjoying it. So if he's listening to this episode, Hey buddy, how you doing down in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I just, um, I just for listen yesterday or today, you're, you're one of your recent guests, Philip McKernan. So he, yeah. that was a really life changing. I did a Philip McKernan. Um, so I'll tell you what happened that last October at the seminar in Birmingham, yeah. Um, where the one I met Brandy at, Philip McKernan was speaking. And there's yes. 600 people in this massive auditorium. And he's unique. There is no other, nobody else in the world who's even very, who's even rem, you know, remotely similar to Philip. And he stands up and he, I can't remember, I can't remember the question, but there was this sort of rather embarrassing silence and nobody stood up to volunteer. And, you know, I'm brave, stupid, an idiot, whatever. I stood up. <laughs> and um, Philip, you, you know, in his own unique style, asked me a series of questions, which made me, I wasn't able to answer. They were about my purpose. And I've got a vision board sitting in my, my office at home. And I, I like it. You know, I thought, I thought my purpose was so clear. And he asked me in that room in front of 600 people to explain it. And I couldn't say a word. I just, bah, and it was so <laughs> embarrassing. And that was sort of eight months ago, but it's been a hell of an eight months since then. I, so Philip did a, a workshop in, in England um, in February and um, which Melissa Sanford helped organize. And it was fairly, it was a wonderful um, weekend of trying to self-discovery, trying to work out who you are. And um, I found that was absolutely fascinating. 
Um, and I would recommend, I mean, he's got his um, other seminars in Ireland, Brave Soul. Um, yeah. I haven't done any of the, um, the ones, the last talk stuff, but, um, but I found him to, to be, you know, quite unique. And his big thing was asking you, do you use your gift? Yeah. And it's taken me a few months to process that. And this, uh, this, this week I have this lovely lady, a patient who's been seeing me um, for about five years now. And she came to see me as a very frail 78 year old five years ago. She'd had a massive heart operation. And she said to me this Tuesday, she said, Donald, you have a gift despite yourself. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, that probably goes for everybody. I think <laughs> yeah. that is my, my real underdog. Hey? Yeah. Um, and um, she said, you have a gift despite yourself. And she said, I'm 83 now and I'm healthier than I was at 78. And most of that is down to chiropractic. And I just, woof, it was like a big sort of sudden knock on the head that hell we do, we change lives. And you know, it doesn't matter whether you're five days old or, or 78 and how much has gone in your life. This lady's living a, a more fulfilled healthier, happier, and, and most importantly, more connected life than she would have done if she wasn't getting adjusted. And, and why don't you share with the listeners what you told me before we got on the podcast about uh, yesterday, was it today or yesterday that was your today. best? Today. Today. Uh, you know, Don, the biggest things we do in our life, the biggest limitations we have in our life are those we place on ourselves. We do them consciously or subconsciously. And um, in Scotland here, we ha there's the saying around where I live. It's and I put in parenthesis, and it's it's I been, and it it means it's forever been. It's been like that forever. Yeah. I would say Fridays for me, uh, they're a half day. I start at seven thirty and I finish at um, try and finish about one one thirty. Yeah. And I've been averaging four and a half five patients an hour. So I do SAT. That's quite high. That's quite fast for SAT. But we just changed our computer system and we ended up with a real mistake. There were so many patients today and the receptionist looked at it and go, oh, it's never going to happen. And sorry, um, <laughs> That's that pre-shift pre huddle is like a little bit panicky, hey? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we just got somebody else extra in and we changed the flow and we rocked it out. I had the, I've just had the busiest shift I've had in my entire chiropractic life by accident because so many more patients were booked in than we thought we could cope with. Um, well, and the ironic thing is, I think you said before the call too, you know where it came from. It came from the universe and the universe is just getting you all ready for this call so that when this goes around the world, you can inspire others to do the same, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and so listen, I'm going to give you a bit of a talk. I'm going to talk you up a bit. The vitality <laughs> shift, okay? That, that vitality shift is the best piece of chiropractic consciousness that's out there at the moment. Um, we have a team of four CAs and three chiropractors, of which I suppose technically I'm the sort of senior chiropractor. And we wanted a system whereby we could coalesce this team of seven into a forming unit. Going back to my old profession, like a military unit, something where we all had a unified purpose. Yeah. And the vitality shift through, I don't know how many hours of video is it probably about 20 hours of video and, and the lessons that we've got, but most importantly, the message in there has given us that glue um, to, to, to make sure that as a, as a, as a clinic system, we are moving in a vitalistic forward conscious way 
but in a way where the whole team is pulling together in this vitalistic way. And so that, you know, that vitalistic shift, which you and Brandy um, own and, and sell and run has been that little, that little bit extra we needed, I think, to pull the team into a more cohesive group. Well, that's awesome. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. We, what we've been doing it about five months now, I think. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's just fun to see. Well, again, it's because the way the vitality shift is set up, you need to take the information and implement it. So like kudos to you too, because you've taken that information and you've actually applied it. And, and didn't you just have your, one of your best months? Like I think you just posted yeah. in our community just a month or so back. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, and that, you know, that's, I, that's the power of the team. Um, all of us chiropractors can adjust, which is fine. Um, actually, the, our lovely CAs have all worked out how much power they actually have, which is quite fascinating. That's excellent. Uh, <laughs> because they, they don't realize sometimes how huge it is. That's the adjustment before the adjustment. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. And um, the, the whole team is, is, is done brilliantly. We've been through a major growth spurt over the last 12 months. Um, we, we, we had a, our, our one building wasn't big enough. So we, we got the building next door and we've combined the two. Um, we've, and it, you know, despite all of my life experience, I'm always learning or discovering things that I least expected. So we moved from one receptionist, one CA at a time to two. So that was quite challenging. You know, yeah. somebody's just been working together for five or six years and, and suddenly you make them work together on the same shift. So that was, yeah, that, that, that took some working out for them. And then we've systemized, um, we've systemized significantly. Um, I'll tell you, there's a couple I've, this last year has been such a growing year for me, other than the vitality shift and meeting Brandy at the, um, the seminar and Philip, the Philip McKernan setup. Yep. Um, I went on a, seminar by a guy called Vismay Schoenfelder and Vismay was speaking on that um, Cairo Europe seminar um, back in, in April, but he, this guy used to practice in Amsterdam and he had a PVA of 2000 plus. He's an, <laughs> <laughs> he's an Aussie guy uh, and a real, really super guy. And he runs these seminars um, at Mark and Lynn Hudson's place in, um, in Mallorca very small groups and he runs through how he built this practice system to enable him to get a PVA of 2000. And I thought, cracky, I have got to get her that, you know, I love new patients actually. Um, but I actually love building the relationship with existing patients. I had a lady um, tell me this week that she's been coming to me for eight years. So I've only been open eight and a half. So she must've been one of my first patients. Yeah. And she's, she's 92 now. Another old, <laughs> I don't only attract old women. I probably Are you like the geriatric chiropractor? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, so, so I've had all these little epiphanies, uh, epiphanies wrong. I've had these real universal shifts in my chiropractic practice this, this year. And I think they've all been building on each other to make, um, to make this amazing situation where we have, where, you know, I, I feel quite confident now that I could go away on leave um, for a couple of weeks or longer and the staff would run the clinic, the other chiropractors would be busy and we would still grow even without me. And that's been my sort of main goal um, over this period. So I think a really lot of chiropractors would love to hear that because they know that that doesn't happen for a lot of practices. 
Yeah, you know, it doesn't happen. And um, I think, you know, chiropractic, yeah, I won't be the first person to say this, you know, talking about judgment. We can take a bit of ego out of ourselves and realize that, you know, we, we, the world can exist without us. Yeah, totally. Um, and listen, this guy, Vismay, he, 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 um, he took off for a year and he left his practice for a year and went traveling with his wife and children. His, um, and his daughter runs, a, his, his, his kids run this clothing company called Nalu, which is about selling clothing to provide uniforms for high school, for school kids in India. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. Just go to nalu.com. Absolutely amazing story. Um, but he, you know, he, that seminar he gave, so we've been building that system over this year, incorporating into it um, the vitality shift principles. Yeah. And and just systemizing everywhere we can. So instead of leaning in on me as the boss, we just lean in on the system. We lean in on the team, and um, and that's working pretty well. Now I'm not saying it's perfect. We need to finesse everywhere. You know, there's there's loose ends we can tie up at every single part of our practice. Well, I think uh, that's a that's the fallacy that. Um, when we work with chiropractors too, sometimes they go, I don't have it all figured out yet. And I don't think you ever really do get it figured out. And I think as you evolve as a chiropractor and as a human being, um, you're always going to fine tune it because like, even for me, like the, the way I do my first visit report of findings is even different than it was like a year ago. Like, you know, you, I think we just continue to refine and we want to yeah. tell all the chiropractors out there, if you, you don't have it figured out, don't think you should have it all figured out because you're always evolving. Absolutely. And I tell you, I loved your, um, you put a video on the, in the Vitality Shift. I apologize for people who aren't shifted. Don, Don does this amazing health talk and he put a video in the Vitality Shift and um, I love it. Yeah, you talk and you ask questions. You talk and you ask questions. And that's been a big thing. Actually, Philip McKernan identified that. And he said, Don, you know, you, you, you're good at imparting information, but you, you talk to people. He said, ask more questions. Yeah. And uh, I noticed you do that. And um, so I've, I've really evolved this year. My entire dialogue with my patients into a QA. and a um, and I only try and give them the answer when I can see them um, stumbling, you know, um, cool. that's, been, that's been really important. Um, I tell you, there's one mistake I made that I, that I would like to share with the world. When I started my practice, I sold the wrong, I sold the wrong product. Firstly, I didn't sell chiropractic. I, I didn't sell chiropractic as I now understand it. And I sold, I sold the person, I sold Donald. And, I, and so I built up this practice that was all about me. And you try and hire an associate into a practice that's all about the primary chiropractor, you're just asking for trouble. So if there's one thing I could go back in time now and change, and that on day one, I would start selling chiropractic or start talking chiropractic and take myself, the per, I, I, I don't think you can ever divorce personality away from chiropractic, but I wouldn't sell myself as the chiropractor. I would sell the product and me purely as the person who gave the delivery, if that, that makes sense. That's, that's totally, I totally get that. And that totally makes sense too, because that's the, that's the challenge is if it's too much dependent on personality, that feeds your ego, which is great. But if you want a little bit of freedom from your practice, that's going to do the exact opposite. Yeah, so we, we've had to, We've had to actually go through a, 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 I've had to go through a system in our practice of, of de-Donalding the practice, you know, <laughs> um, taking myself out of, you know, I've taken my certificates off the reception wall um, so that it doesn't look like everybody's walking into my space with an associate chiropractor who's not me, 
you know what I mean? So yeah. I want to, um, we're all equal as far as I, I can say. That's another thing we do pretty badly as, as a group. And that's how we employ and bring on associates. I think it's something that we could definitely as a, as a profession tick in the box could do better. You know, I think okay. how we take young graduates out of college in the yeah. medical profession, they have internships and, you know, they go and work in a hospital on a rotation for two years and so on um, so that they can, they can be mentored and learn. And, you know, not everybody starts on their own like I did. I don't think it is for everybody. And most people start as an associate. Um, and um, I think we, you know, on the could do better, I think a lot of us practice owners uh, and how we take associates on. We, we could do the could do better mark. And I think a lot of it's just meeting expectations. Too many associates come with expectations that can't be met by yeah. the owner and too many owners have expectations on associates that are unlikely to be met. So a little bit of dialogue there, um, a bit more constructive mentoring. And I think we probably develop and grow a much more successful, prosperous um, profession in the long term. Um, Donald, would you mind if I asked you a little bit more of a vulnerable question? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, and I'm just interested in this because knowing your goal was to de-Donald your practice yeah. and knowing that you really want to create a great environment for your associate colleagues. Yeah. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the emotions that you felt at Cairo Europe when you had your associate mentor come up on stage and, and basically give you a huge compliment in front of everybody and you felt a little bit uncomfortable about that? <laughs> I, I asked before I asked the question. You said this yeah. Was this was before we went drinking, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, so that was a that was a very humbling moment, actually. Um, but you know, I go back to one of your previous um, interviewees, Philip. You know, he says we need to learn how to take a compliment. And funnily enough, the first thing you said to me when I met you afterwards was, "Hey, shit, just take a compliment, man." Um, so it was a very humbling moment um, for him to say that, but I'm very pleased that he feels safe enough um, in our relationship to do that. Can you just uh, let the listeners know what he said about you? Oh, yeah, I just I can't remember. Actually, he just just said I must be an okay guy. I think something like that. Anyway, <laughs> you totally um, minimized that, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think. Uh, Listen, we have a great, he's a great, you know, it's a really, I think um, he, he wasn't my patient so much as I knew him in the town where, where I practice. And it was, I suppose, because of a conversation he had with me, he went, he was in chiropractic within about like 10 months of meeting me. And um, so five years later, he, not only does this guy I, I met, go to university, chiropractic university because of this relationship, but he graduates and he comes back to work for you. It's a phenomenal, um, it's a lovely, you know, it's just a lovely thing. And, you know, I'm hoping and I know in time he's going to go off and, and somewhere he's going to set up his own little chiropractic dream. Um, and, and I know because of the quality of this guy that he's going to inspire a whole bunch of other people to go to chiropractic college. Um, and, um, you know, so it's been a, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good goal. And, and you know, and, and these guys that we work with are, are really, you know, like I said, because of the vitality shift, we're actually pulling together 
I think we're using that as a communication is the other thing that chiropractors, I think we've, we lack certainty in our adjustment. You know, the adjustment is an amazing thing. And because we lack certainty in it, all of a sudden we start doing everything else to, to look at the pain and, and, and things. And so we lack certainty. And then we also sometimes we, we also lack the ability to communicate what it is we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, so there's one other thing we have in common, Don, is we both have very good friends with ALS yeah. and I'm in, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm halfway through your book, the underdog curse at the moment, enjoying it very much actually. But I have a friend with um, what we call M motor neuron disease or what, what is called ALS in, in America. And um, it's, it's been, it's quite a journey actually, because one thing I know for certain is that this guy is living a better life than he with chiropractic than he would do without it, much as your friend did. Yeah. When you had a friend who who had ALS. we we need to get it right. We're not gonna cure him. Yeah. But we are every Friday morning at seven thirty in the morning, he's my first patient. And it's I promise you, that's probably why I had such a good day. He sets my day up every day. He's losing a little bit. He's lost a little bit more motor in his right hand. Um, But he's got a great attitude. He's taking the whole world on. He's quite famous where we live. He's He's a rugby player. He came down and spoke. So he and I both spoke at a chiropractic seminar in London um, two weeks ago. I couldn't believe. I was really humbled. He took a whole day out of his really busy life fly down to London and it, although I've been my patient for about 10 months now, mm-hmm. um, it was only spending a day in his company on an airplane and going through, you know, you have to take your belt off to go through the, the metal detectors now, yep. you know, and his hands and the lack of dexterity to, to rethread his belt and stuff like that, that I really realized how much, how much of a challenge this disease is becoming for him. But anyway, um, I'm telling you that 10 months after we met, nearly, he is a whole lot better than he would have been had he never been adjusted. Yep. And I think that's really important that we, we understand the distinction. We're not in the business of curing these incurable diseases. But through the adjustment and through the mechanism of chiropractic, we are making this awesome human being's life so much better. And he says it, you know, he got out of his adjustment today. He says, right, I am back on for another week. You know, you've just, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, um, it's been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Cause my buddy Rob, he was the same sort of thing. And, and I think I told you about this when we were in Cairo Europe is that that was my biggest shit. Like that was actually my mental shift away from treating conditions as a chiropractor more towards optimizing function because once I kind of realized Rob had ALS and he, what, what was the outcome for him? Um, and he wasn't leaving his house very much. I wasn't adjusting him as much. And then one day he gave me heck and he goes, dude, he said, I know I'm going to die, but you still need to adjust me. And it was kind of like a slap above the head saying like, I breathe better. Um, I'm more comfortable when you adjust me. Like there's like a whole bunch of different stuff that happens when he's under care. So much, you know, and since, so, so this guy that I'm, um, I'm adjusting, it's on, I can say his name publicly. It's on, I mean, he did a, he made a video for me on Facebook and it went viral. It was viewed 150,000 times, I think. So anyway, the, the problem with this, problem with videos like that is they go viral and, and suddenly everybody thinks that you might have a solution to ALS or MD right. 
we, we don't have a solution to that, okay? But you're exactly right. Um, through that video, I attracted a whole bunch more people um, of MND and multiple sclerosis, um, a distant but similar cousin. And so I now have about 10% of my practice are ALS MND patients. Um, and um, I, I have a really good relationship with all of them. It's funny when people are faced with the edge of the cliff, how how their humor can can help them sustain. You know, I was sort of teasing somebody and I said, um, um, you know, what if we, what if I just couldn't see you anymore? What if we had to stop? Said, you can't, <laughs> you've got to adjust me. You know, yeah. <laughs> I will come here and sort of sit on the door until you adjust me, you know? Yeah. And I've got this amazing guy, he's, he's called Paul and, and he's, he was Mr. Scotland. I mean, he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, massive, big bodybuilder guy. And, um, and he's probably about 100, 110 pounds now, um, but he 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 can't drive obviously, and he gets uh, he's obviously a very popular human being, yeah. And life is becoming more and more challenging, and he he gets a he gets a lift here. It's an hour and a half drive every Monday. We have no idea when it's arriving. We just deal with it when he gets here, yeah. And the only way we can get him supine and prone is to put his respirator on. So we have to we've had to adapt how we do it. Yeah. But we, he's getting, he gets, he arrives in a wheelchair and we have to actually get our hands underneath him to lift him up. But as he sits up from the table, he can walk from the table back to his chair. The adjustment has that big an effect on him totally. and he can hold his head up and he can breathe. And here's the most important thing, Don. In this country, and I'm sure Canada is the same and I'm sure America is the same and other parts of the Western world. You get a diagnosis like that and the, the specialist, the consultant says, well, I'm going to introduce you to your MND nurse and the MND nurse talks to you and says, well, this is, this is, you know, we're going to have a relationship over the next few years. And when you can no longer eat, we'll give you a peg. And when you, when you can't breathe, we'll give you, we'll give you an oxygen system. When you can't walk, we'll give you a wheelchair. And when you, you know, when you can't go to the bathroom, we'll give you a care package. And so there is, and these, these guys will become, internet ad you know they, they go all over google looking for everything all over the world and nobody in the world offers them anything except through chiropractic mm -hmm. all of them have said that the chiropractic is the only thing in their life that is positively making a difference right and that, i think is amazing that's huge it's not going to this is really important for the chiropractic haters out there you know the yeah. ones who want us not to be vitalistic. Yeah. They are better than they would be if they weren't being adjusted and not just slightly, but significantly. And we're not saying we cure them. <laughs> hey, so I listen, don't shoot me people out there. The, the last person who cured anybody was crucified for his efforts. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. On that note, we are coming <laughs> close to, we're coming close to the end of our time. So, um, what I always like to do is leave the last couple of minutes up to um, our, our guests so that they can share their parting words of wisdom on the underdog nation. And uh, okay. so what do you feel you'd like to share with uh, the vitalistic chiropractors around the world to give them a little inspiration? Okay. So just be, be humble. You know, we are as chiropractors, we're talking about the ALS, the MND guys, we, we're going to change their lives significantly, but 
we, we adjust the, the person who gives them the adjustment. The second thing is get a coach. Um, get a coach, get a coach, get a coach. You know, I know people who are so poverty conscious that they, they won't get a coach um, because they don't want to spend that tiny little bit of money. If I were to say to them that within the first month of my first coach, I had made back about five times what his fee was. And the, th the next, the other thing is get, become as technically good as you can. So I teach sacral occipital technique and I, I'm very into my technique, but I'm more into being a chiropractor, but get as technically good as you can in whatever you do. And then systemize your practice. Um, we have chosen um, a system which you guys have developed. So there's no point in reinventing the wheel. We use your vitality shift, but systemize and make it easy so that the, that your, your, your system of the people who work with you can lean in on a system that's developed rather than leaning on, on you, the principal or, or you, the business owner all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that, that, those are, those are really the things I think that have, um, and become a really good communicator. Um, communication is, is, is so important with chiropractic because we're living in a paradigm where people expect us. So the first two questions I ask all of my patients is, is the pain the problem or is the problem the problem? And most of them say the pain. And I'll say, you know, so you cut your arm and you've got this blood falling down your arm. Is the, is the cut the problem or is the pain? Ah, they finally get there's a difference. And I said, who's going who's gonna to do the healing in this relationship, you or me? They said, well, you, I'm paying you. And I said, well, um, you know, if I stick a, an elastoplast or what do you, what do you guys call that? Um, Band-Aid. If you stick a yeah. Band-Aid on, on that cut, is there, is there some sort of magical power in that, in that bit of plastic that's going to fix your cut? And they suddenly get that their body has this amazing ability to heal and that you are merely going to be part of the, the process of them healing, but it's them that heals. So that, that, that communication is absolutely vital. Excellent. Well, Donald, my brother from over in Europe, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast. And next time we go drinking, I'm going to have to have some practice beforehand. No, the key is you just got to eat. And again, I'm, I, you, you, you stick with beer and you drink water in between. You'll be good. That's my, and then, <laughs> and then dance a little bit too. That's always. <laughs> Don, thank you so much. It's been really, been a real privilege. Thank you a lot. So everybody out there, um, hope we got lots from this, uh, this podcast. We cover some pretty cool stuff, some pretty cool stories. And just like always, get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.